Whether considered a pastime or a profession, tennis is a passion. Welcome to the podcast that reaches beyond the net and outside the court. Through in-depth conversations with the players, pundits, newsmakers and innovators who make the sport their ultimate pursuit. Much like you, people who believe tennis is life. 2022 Waikiki Cup was an all-American affair. In fact, it was all California in many respects. And perhaps amongst the four competitors who took the court, none more a SoCal person or SoCal girl than Coco Vandeweghe, who joins us on Tennis's Life. Coco, thanks for being here. No, thanks for having me. I'm pumped. Yeah, but arriving in Hawaii, you've obviously grown not only accustomed to it, it's become something that you enjoy visiting on often occasions. Last year you celebrated your birthday here. This year you're back once again. Tell us about the appeal and, and what brings you back to... Well, somehow my birthday just seems to <laughs> land in a, in a good time. My birthday's in December, so um, I enjoy coming out here. I mean, Jared sitting next to me has been a wonderful guest. Um, we met when I first did this event many years ago and has just kind of brought me into his fold of his club in Kailua and I mean... That is honestly what I love about tennis and the sport of tennis that it has brought me is different friendships, different people all around the world that still I can pick up the phone and be like, yo, I'm in your hood. What's up? <laughs> yeah, and Jared always responds to, yo, I'm in your hood. I mean, he, nobody... When uh, when Coco texts, uh, the answer comes back quickly because we're, we're going to have a good time when she's here. The other aspect that's really uh, fun about you being here for this is you were out competing. We know that it's been a rough couple of years. You've suffered numerous injuries. You thought the ankle injury was going to perhaps derail your career, I think, in some ways. The freak accident that led to surgery in your hand. I mean, at, at, at this point, point in your career and the perspective that you have, it must have been a bit of an endurance battle mentally to be able to get to the place where you wanted to be back on court. Well, I think more so than anything, that endurance battle mentally of being at the top of your game, the top of your ranking that you've ever achieved. I was number nine in the world when my injury set in, and I went from nine to nothing. And to have that mental aspect hit you and be like, all right, well, who am I? And you're so wrapped up in tennis. I'm Coco Vandeweghe, the tennis player. I'm number nine in the world. I'm a two-time semifinalist, and I'm a Grand Slam champion in doubles. And all these things that I've accomplished are fantastic. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But, like, I'm sitting at home on my couch like, I'm a nothing. Like, that was probably the hardest part for me because I saw no light at the end of the tunnel. And when I started to come back and play... It was honestly like a diving board experience, like a kid at the edge of the diving board. Like, I just needed to be pushed off. And so my agent was like, hey, listen, if you're going to play this event, it was an event in San Diego. It was an exhibition. And he's like, you're, you got to start playing if you're going to do this if, or nothing at all. So I was like, screw it. Let's go. And I started playing and then COVID hit. So, I mean, it was a start, stop, start, stop uh, for the last like three years for me. So I'm excited to... And the year this last year healthy and and be able to go into next year healthy, which is something that us tennis players for how many months we do play and travel and train um, don't get to experience that often. And when you're on the road back and you're talking about wanting to, to dip a toe back in and having to just jump off the diving board, the way that you play and compete, you put everything out there. We get to see you living and dying and everything. It's all very on display. So it's really got to be tough for you to kind of do some test matches or test tournaments. You are all in or nothing at all. Oh, I mean, that's just the only way I know how to play. It's just 
the way I was raised, I, I grew up in a very athletic family. I have multiple relatives that are um, NBA players. My mom's a two-time Olympian. I mean, I'm a slouch, so I have to be competing all the time. Otherwise, I feel like I'm not doing something right. And so if I go out there, I'm giving the best I have on that day, and I can go home happy that this is what I gave today. It might have been a win, might have been a loss, but I know I did my darndest to just put my put my heart and soul out there and we know the genealogy that comes you come from an athletic family that goes back not just one generation two three generations i wonder as you started to pursue tennis because you pursued other sports to start but then came to tennis how much pressure did you put upon yourself saying i do need to match the athletic prowess of my grandfather my uncle my mom the whole group oh no no no! i didn't want to match i wanted to be better (laughs) but uh, honestly, I mean, I would say my my grandmother, my grandmother was Miss America in 1952, and she was honestly the sounding board for me on a lot of things because uh, my mom is is divorced, and so I had my grandparents at home with me, so I was raised by her parents along with her, so I had like two sets of parents, so if my mom was like annoying me, I could go run to my grandparents and be like the superstar. So I would go to my grandmother all the time as like a sounding board who wasn't... I, I shouldn't say necessarily was an athlete as like her profession. She was on Broadway and Miss America and all that stuff. But she was the sounding board of like my moral compass, my like sanity to be like, you know, tennis or basketball or soccer, whatever I was playing at the time is like really just getting on my nerves. And, you know, everyone's just wanting so much for me and I'm just not performing well or I don't want to go to practice today. You know, all the things I'd rather go to a sleepover with my friends and my grandmother is like, the the rock of the family and she'd be like I understand let's go have fun but you're gonna present yourself in such a manner in such a way that you know you're gonna look amazing be amazing all these things she would always tell me Coco you're perfect everyone else is wrong so I I, I try to live by that (laughs) good to have Nana on your side (laughs) really pumping you up and all that we're here with Coco Vandeway here at the Outrigger Reef, Waikiki Beach. You hear the festive sounds behind us from some of the activity here. But it goes back to thinking about the soccer, the basketball you were playing as a youth, and then you picked up the tennis record. What was it about tennis that sparked your interest and really decided that's going to be my vocation? Well, honestly, it's the individuality of tennis. So when I was really serious into basketball, my mom did not want me to play basketball. She's like, no, I want you to play tennis. I was like, tennis i don't really want to do that because you know I'm, I'm i'm with my friends i'm with my schoolmates you know all that stuff in basketball practices and traveling with them and and just being a normal kid we're in tennis you know you're kind of by yourself you're traveling on the weekends and playing tournaments and it's just hard to do the one-on-one as a kid in tennis of just like lessons i i love the like after school group programs i love that i live by it but it was honestly one bad season in basketball where I would skip basketball practice for tennis practice, and the girls on the basketball team, obviously seeing me still get the same playing time, were jealous. And me being a young kid is like, I don't understand why you guys are jealous. Like, I'm showing up, I'm trying as hard as I can. And so I was like, screw it. And what's good for the team, I'm trying to contribute. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, screw it. I don't need basketball. I'm going to go play tennis. And... I mean, now I get my team aspects from Fed Cup, now Billie Jean King Cup, and um, World Team Tennis. And, Your Olympics and, uh, as well? Olympics. I mean, that was a huge accomplishment of mine. The only thing I've ever wanted to do in sports in general was be an Olympian. Whatever sport I, I, I ended up playing in my life, if I ever did, I just wanted to be an Olympian. So 
having that accomplishment next to my name, I, I'm super happy for myself about that. Where you talk about t tennis drawing you because the individuality of it. Your personality on and off the court gains some uh, weird looks on occasion from your crowds or from your uh, competitors or teammates. But that is what has made you special. You're the same person off the court as you are on the court. And it's what made you a, a crowd favorite out here today and each time that you're in Hawaii. I think everybody recognizes that you are a, an extreme individual person. And they, can, they know that whatever they are experiencing with you is the real thing. Yeah, I I've, I felt that, I mean, I grew up in arena sports, so like the, the basketball lineage that I have in my family, I grew up going to the Clipper games, the Laker games at Staples Center, and going in, t when I was in New York, going to the Knicks games and things like that, and just being around it and seeing kind of the, the camaraderie and the loudness of an arena sport. And I'm, I'm a younger sibling. My, I have an older brother. And so watching him in arena sports and being loud and cheering and hearing my family members do the same thing, I was like, well, this is what sports is, where going to tennis is just like hush and like quiet. So I just, I've always wanted people to feel like I'm showing my authentic self because I'm not giving that generic, you know, post-match interview of like, yeah, I, d I did my best and my opponent's really good and this and that. It's like, you know... It's okay to say you weren't that great today. You know, I was a little tired out there. I'm sore. You know, I've, I've, I had a bad night's sleep. You know, whatever. Because how else are, is a kid going to know, like, this is the real deal of, like, what you go in. This isn't what you see on TV, the glitz and the glam. It's like, you know, I had a party in the room next to me, and they kept me up till 3 a.m., and it kind of sucked. And here I am in Miami going out and playing Serena Williams. Well, you know, I kind of, I kind of had a tough, tough night, and I needed that sleep. <laughs> I wasn't a part of the party, and you know, I needed the sleep. Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's one of those things where I feel like people enjoy the real experience, and because it's something attainable. Your authentic self. Yeah, I mean, because that's attainable. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wish everyone could be a professional tennis player, but at least it could be attainable to be like. I had a crappy night's sleep, and I feel, like, grumpy today. Everyone can be themselves. Yes. And if they can learn that from you on the tennis court, what a takeaway. Yeah, I mean, I, I just try to have anyone who's around me playing with me, playing against me, ball girls and boys and man, umpires maybe, but, like, have everyone be like, you know, I actually enjoyed myself out there on the court with, with myself. And and enjoy the atmosphere maybe learn something maybe not i mean maybe you're just like hey she kept giving me a sweaty towel every time and it was freaking disgusting i mean if, if that's my authentic self it's my authentic self well it is going back to your thought an adjective that i don't think has ever been used to describe you generic nor vanilla i think you <laughs> you being your authentic self brings a certain uh, cachet to the court and people appreciate that well sometimes it gets you some jeers oftentimes it gets you cheers but at least you know you're not having to work extra hard play good tennis, and put on a mask to try to appease everybody. Right, right. I mean, I can, I, I'll can. i be the first person to laugh at myself, and, and I think that's a great quality to have in a lot of a lot of instances, and hopefully I can I can express that, like, hey, I take myself seriously, but also not that seriously, so just just enjoy the moment of what, what's happening, and I hope, and that's all I want from people is just to enjoy what I'm bringing to the table, because this is my blood, sweat, and tears that I go through each and every day. And not just the fans watching in person and at home. The team aspect, you talked about doing Fed Cup and Billie Jean King Cup and how you bring your teammates into that same experience and vibe that you have. Is that, I mean, you thrive, whether it was world team tennis during the pandemic, you thrive in that setting. 
I, I mean, that's, that's, I think, one thing I can attribute to playing basketball and soccer and different sports. I mean, tennis was the last sport I ever played. So I understand a team aspect. And I think so many tennis players that started since they were in diapers don't understand the team aspect of like, hey, I might win today, but if everyone else loses, we all lost. So I'm going to make this environment to be like, you know I'm giving my all tonight and you're going to see me give my all and I'm going to be out there when I'm done and cheering you on and being like, we're opponents every other week, but today we're teammates and I'm helping your butt like get through this. I'm going to, I'm going to jeer the opponent. I'm going to be, you know, on your side, just helping as much as I can in any capacity. And I think that's what makes a good teammate is to have someone feel like, you know what? I missed that in the bottom of the net, but she's there standing being like, you did your best, and I, I appreciate you giving your best. Going back to what you said a little while ago about the, the sport and why tennis appealed to you, I, I think of the dichotomy, the interesting rub to tennis. It's an individual sport. You have to work things out on your own. You're out there just kind of doing your thing, trying to propel yourself through, and yet it also creates sort of an isolating moment. You sort of feel alone, I think even maybe more so off-court, and you travel extensively. You're in hotel rooms around the world. You try to surround yourself with people. I wonder if this time that you've been away from the game due to these injuries, if it gave you any perspective, any sort of insight into how to deal with the day-to-day sort of ups and downs and and how it's going to be for you when you really try to make that big move back top 100, top 50, top 10 even. Yeah, it was definitely an eye-opening experience of like, who is Coco Vandeweghe without the tennis? Um, That was a huge eye-opening experience because when you're at the top of the world, I mean, you never feel like it's ever going to go away. And it was gone in a snap of a finger. So for me, coming back and playing and, and taking everything seriously and, and grinding through the training days, grinding through the travel days, grinding lonely in a hotel room, I mean, that, that happens more times than not. And I've, I've been fortunate in my life where I've had people, friends, family, my boyfriend be able to travel with me to kind of just break up the monotony. And that's definitely helped a lot. And I learned that early on in my career that, like, me being three weeks on the road by myself, can't do it. Like, I, I just can't do it. I get homesick. I want to go home. I'm from a big family. Like, I I would just crumble if I kept continuing to do that. So finding your breaks, finding your rhythm of how to do it, and that's kind of been the thing I've been learning the most as veteran as I am of knowing how to travel and, and what to pack and, and where I'm going to be, what restaurants I like it's still relearning it again because I had a couple years off and it's like, all right, you know, I'm by myself in my hotel room in a foreign country. I couldn't get any of my tennis friends to come to dinner with me because I got matches or they're at a different tournament that week or whatever. I'm going to go sit in a hotel restaurant or go out and get food by myself and just sit there and maybe try to order food that I don't know what it is, you know, and and just get used to that all over again. So it's, it's definitely been an interesting ride, but a fun ride for me. Let's talk about how you're planning this comeback in 2023, comeback of sorts. I mean, you did play some tour events this year. You were able to get your feet back into the sport, but obviously you're going to make a more concerted effort to play more tennis particularly at tour level in the coming year. What is your schedule starting to look like, and what are you approaching as far as the the goals you want to reach at certain points? Are there any milestones you'll be looking for at certain times? I, I mean, I definitely want to be top 100 for the French and Wimbledon. I mean, that's that's definitely the goal for 
for a lot of events because that sets you for the rest of the year in tennis if you're top 100 by that time. And it makes everything easier going down the, ro- the road into the U.S. Open swing. Um, I would definitely love to qualify for the Australian Open this year. I love being in Australia. Semi-finalist pl- previously, <laughs> down under. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love being there. So I, I just I, I would love to have a good showing to start the year and then going into the rest of the year. Honestly, I, I just I want to stay healthy. I want to stay healthy and happy because it's probably been four years since I've, I've experienced that. So uh, talking about four years, you have you've changed much. Uh, Kevin was hitting on it a little bit. How I mean, you've grown as a person. Do you do you feel you you know more mature, more yourself, more comfortable with who you are? Talking about who is the who is Coco Vandaway without tennis? Do you feel more equipped now to handle this moment? Oh, absolutely. I think if I was. 24, 25, even 27 at the top of my game when when I was nine in the world. I mean, like, I was just, you know, a rebel without a cause. You know, I was, I was definitely, you know, I know better than everybody else and certainly did not know better. I did not know who I was, and I think that's so important to learn as, as a developing um, young adult is, you know, who are you? Who, what makes you tick? What What is your moral compass? What is the things that you're willing to sacrifice and what you're willing to not sacrifice. And for me, I was willing to sacrifice anything. And you're also, uh, the maturation process is in full view of everyone. It's on display publicly. So all that you're going through and trying to find out who is Coco, it's all there for everybody to see. Sometimes there's going to be great moments. Other times you're going to just probably cringe when you get back to the hotel room. Sometimes. I mean, not everyone shows up to work every day and is like, I love being here. You know, I love my, my co-workers and all these people that have been around me I, I mean there's definitely times I look back and I laugh at it now just like the silliness of like how grumpy I was that day or what I was grumpy about but like hey it's part of me like I I don't play well unless I'm expressing my full emotion of whatever it is that day if I'm full of piss and vinegar I'm full of piss and vinegar and we're just gonna get after it if I'm happy as a clam I'm happy as a clam and it's just a different level of intensity but I need to be intense I need to have a high riding emotion whether it's you know happiness or sadness or anger I just need to ride that and I've I've learned that through many years of playing of just that's just how I roll here at the Outrigger Reef, Waikiki Beach, again, the festive nature behind us. It's a good backdrop, and it, it leads to us changing our focus just a bit. You obviously love Hawaii. You visited often. You've come back again. You got here early, got on a boat, did some fishing, I hear. Yep. How was uh, how was the success rate? Oh, we came in hot. We, we caught nine fish. Uh, we got some skipjack. We got some yellowtail. We actually... Um, the the crew gutted some some of the fish for us. We brought it back to the room and did some sashimi. Um, we had to borrow a knife from the bar because like we weren't we, we had no other choice, and so we're like jimmying this knife. I, we made a mess, but I mean it was it was a fun time, and those are the experiences I live for now. It's like to have these memories of these amazing places and and enjoy just everything, even the mishaps that happen uh, along the way. 
Yeah, well, you can understand. I mean, again, perspective to say, could go back to the room and start preparing for the next day and keeping my mind on the. But to enjoy the travel, to really yeah. get out and, and take the moments in some exotic places, you got to maximize the potential. Absolutely. I mean, we, we are so lucky as tennis players. We get to travel the world. Basically, we're chasing summer. And, you know, it's it's so cool to be able to see everything and, and experience all these different things. I mean, I went skydiving in Australia and... I, I've gone in into Belarus and, and for, played for my country, but got to see a different side of the world that I never thought I would see, or going to Poland and seeing the concentration camps out there, and um, going to New York, and even being in the United States, going up to the Empire State Building. I mean, like, I'm still trying to get another rerun of going to uh, the Statue of Liberty, but I can't seem to get it right uh, now with the COVID restrictions, because you need to buy, like, crazy passes like in advance and i'm a late planner when it comes to things so like i'm just like a show up and do but that's 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 on the bucket list jared grab her phone and put a date for january 2nd to buy <laughs> statue of liberty tickets for august we right? need, you need a, a personal planner part of your team here you, i'll tell you what you're growing as a person planning is next yeah well uh, we'll see we'll see <laughs> well we will see i mean currently as we know top 10 player in the past 129 as we do this interview but we're expecting great things out of you obviously you do too so we wish you all the best health first success to come with it yes absolutely all right coco vandaway thanks for joining us on tennis is life it's been our pleasure thank you so much tennis is life is produced by ben goldsmith in association with km sports entertainment and seeking productions executive producer is Kyla Goldsmith. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on your favourite platform. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Waikiki Cup or visit WaikikiCup.com. Questions and comments are welcome and can be sent to tennisislifegroup at gmail.com, which is appropriate, wouldn't you say? After all, tennis is life.